Good morning. Yes. Ah, oh, feels good to be here. Gotta say it. Gotta say it. I always say it. Um, happy Sunday. Happy spring forward. Love that. Love that. Yes, I love the love the woos. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's good. Happy wintry mix morning. That was fun. Um, happy spring break for our for our UNC students. Happy honeymoon if you're Annalise and Oliver who just got married yesterday. Yes, we love that. <laughs> lots lots of happy going on this morning, even though it's it's cold and gray, and and damp. Um, Allison said she couldn't she couldn't couldn't get there with the the warmth in the room, the warmth from the spirit. But I kind of feel like as church goes on, we all feel it a little more. Um, being together in this way. <sighs> so this first half of Lent, we have been doing a, a deep dive look at the Lord's Prayer uh, that that Jesus teaches us. And this is our last week studying the Lord's Prayer together, so I get to get to bring it home. Um, oh, I forgot to say Happy Lent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Lent is really happy, um, but it is a season that we acknowledge, and, and it's part of where we're at this morning. So, yes, exactly. Next month, happy Easter. Ned gets it. Um, so I guess I'm just, I'm just feeling in a celebratory mood this morning. Um, I feel like every time Lent rolls around in my life, I am given a new opportunity to understand it, a new way to think about it. I remember being really young in elementary school, and my older brother gave up his Game Boy for Lent because, in his words, he needed to clear his head. That was like first or second grade. That's a cool memory. Thanks, Bobby, for that. Um, My birthday was this week, and my birthday is usually... Thank you, Doug. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, So my birthday is usually during Lent, and I have memories of my uncle not having birthday cake at my party because he gave up sweets for Lent. And I remember being like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. I remember being in high school and I gave up Twitter for Lent and I got really good at checking the weather because every time I'd pick up my phone to look at Twitter, I would click Weather Channel instead and still 56 degrees every time. So what I've really enjoyed about this season of Lent and getting to experience it um, with you all is how we're learning about soul alignment, which is a phrase I've never heard of or thought of or considered before this year. And I've never really thought about Lent as a way to align with God. So this year has felt special for me. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing stories from my friends here who are experiencing closeness with God and having cool experiences with God during this time, uh, with having this focus of soul alignment. Um, I've been really encouraged by, by those stories. I like to think about how Lent can be a time for us to, on one side, eliminate distractions or temptations in our lives, but not to just stop there at that, 
not to just eat fewer sweets or have less screen time, um, but to let that action that we're taking or not taking to be a way to create space for us to speak with God and connect with God. And I've really appreciated the encouragement from Love Chapel Hill to say the Lord's Prayer each day. It's been a really cool way for me to experience this alignment with God um, by talking to God each, each day the way that Jesus taught us how. And this year, I've given up social media. It's kind of my usual thing that I give up for Lent. Um, so when I automatically pick up my phone to look at Instagram or Facebook, I'm reminded of a few things. One, that I look at those apps way too often. And two, that that's a chance I can do something else, um, that I can talk to Jesus. Um, I can be like my bandmate, Amanda, and download the Bible Project app and see what kinds of resources they're pumping out, which are always good. Um, I can pull up my little Bible app and, and read the scripture that I'm preaching on today, maybe. Um, or I can download the New York Times Puzzles app and do some Sudoku. All kinds of things I can do. <laughs> and if Lent is something that you haven't really practiced before or you haven't started yet this year, um, just want to let you know that we're only halfway through. So if you want to pick something up or leave something aside, it's not too late, and you're welcome to do that. You also don't have to, but there's an invitation. So over the past few weeks, we've heard about the Lord's Prayer, and we've had some opportunities to take a deeper look at what the Scripture means for us. And this week, we're going to cover those last verses of the prayer that Jesus teaches us. And I think before we get into these last ones, we should pray it together um, to get ourselves oriented to it. So let's do that. Yes, thank you. Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So the last chunk of this comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. And what we're going to be doing sort of a, a double click on today are forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. That's fun. Some of my early memories of learning the Lord's Prayer, I remember being in my old house, the first house that I lived in, and learning it with my parents. Um, like before bedtime, practicing saying it. Um, my grandparents started coming to my church with my family when I was in elementary school, and my Nana and I would always sit next to each other. It's Pixie, if you haven't met her. Today's your day. Um, we would always sit together, and 
we wear the same shoe size. We'd always share shoes during church, which was kind of our fun thing that we did. And <laughs> um, we probably couldn't now because they'd be stuck to the floor. <laughs> um, but I remember sitting next to her. She was sitting on this side in my memory. And uh, hearing her say trespasses, and it sounded different from how I said it. She, she says it more like, forgive us our trespasses, like it's quicker. And I remember always hearing that and chuckling. Um, so that's kind of a fun, a fun connection to my, to my younger self with this prayer and with this particular uh, section of it. I also, just before we keep going, um, I think it's really cool to think about how Jesus gave us this prayer thousands of years ago, and we still get to say it and remember it. And I love saying it together and hearing our voices say it together. And I love thinking about how when we say it, we're connected to this just rich history of people who have prayed the same words and maybe in different, you know, versions or languages, but we're still connected in that way, and I think that's so, so cool. Okay, so let's look at these verses today. So the first section about forgiveness, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we're going to split that in half and, and talk about each half. So the first half, for, forgive us our trespasses. First of all, what is a trespass? Um, when I hear that word, I am picturing like a black and orange sign on somebody's property line that says no trespassing. Um, when I think of it in this sort of context of a prayer, I think of a trespass as something that's pulling us away from God or something that doesn't feel like we're in alignment, um, a sin, I guess, to use a more religious, churchy word. And I know that there are some versions of this prayer that use the words debt and debtors or that use the word shortcomings instead of trespasses. And I'll kind of use all of those interchangeably today. I think they all convey a similar, similar thing, similar meaning. So why does Jesus teach us to ask God for forgiveness? When I really think about it, I can see how there are some direct connections to forgiveness and this prayer and soul alignment. I can see how in asking God for forgiveness, we are attempting to align our soul with God by being open about our shortcomings or trespasses or sins, by not holding anything back from our relationship with God we're able to align with God in a really cool way. It's refreshing to be honest in our relationships, and I think the same is true with our relationship with God. I'm talking a lot about elementary school Val today, but I remember being in fourth grade, and it was the day before winter break started, and I got in trouble at school, and I remember I waited all of winter break until the last night of winter break to tell my mom what had happened. And it was bugging me over the break that I hadn't come clean, I guess, about getting in trouble. And the moment I told her what happened and, and what my teacher had said to me, um, 
felt like a relief, like we were on the same page, like I wasn't hiding anything from my mom. I feel like that's similar to how we look at asking God for forgiveness and and being open and honest with God. When we ask for the for for forgiveness, we're bringing our shortcomings or or sins to the light instead of walking with them in darkness. And we're taking the opportunity to do some realignment, doing this with alignment, you know. And there are a lot of occasions in scripture where God and Jesus are referred to as light. And when I think of bringing our shortcomings to light, I think of this warm and loving and welcoming light of God um, that we get to share with when we ask for forgiveness, which is really cool. And when we bring these things to God, when we ask for forgiveness, and we're greeted with this warmth and acceptance, like how I told my mom in fourth grade, we can be, we can receive back this sort of relief, and it can help us grow in our connection with God to ask for forgiveness. And all of this, just from half of the verse. So we have, forgive us our trespasses, and the second half of the verse, Jesus teaches us to say, as we forgive those who trespass against us, which seems a little bit harder maybe, maybe just for me. Um, It's nice to think about this first half, forgive us our trespasses, to think about God forgiving us, God who is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving, and even if we don't understand how God can forgive us, we know that that's just how God operates, and so it's harder to think of us having to forgive someone else, especially when tensions are high or you get cut off on the road or something is personal, your feelings get hurt, or if we feel like we're completely wronged in a situation, forgiving others can be really hard. And that's probably why Jesus teaches us to pray about forgiveness, because he knows that the only way we can really do it is with God's help, and we can't just always figure it out on our own. And I I recommend every time you pray this prayer that you think of someone you need to forgive and ask God to help you do that, because it's hard to do on your own. And then when we look at this whole verse, the whole section of it, Jesus is giving us a chance also to have some self-awareness when it comes to our own shortcomings, our own trespasses. We're needing to be aware not only of who we can forgive, but what we need forgiveness for. And depending on how you feel today or, or where you're at today, It might feel easier for you to extend forgiveness. It might feel easier for you to ask for forgiveness. Um, Both are important because they're both part of this prayer. And when I think of this, I'm reminded of a section of scripture in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus talks about removing the plank from our own eyes before we remove the speck from our brothers. And 
that we might feel really aware of how we've been wronged by someone or we've been trespassed against, to use the language from the prayer. But we aren't seeing the ways that we, in fact, have been wrong. We might be so worried about the speck, like from Matthew 7, uh, of someone else's trespass or shortcoming that we don't notice the plank of sins or debts or shortcomings in our own eyes. I think we could even look at this section of the prayer as a chance to also forgive ourselves. Forgiving ourselves means that we're receiving the forgiveness from God. We ask for it and we also receive it back. We aren't continuing to hold on to our sins or our trespasses and building up a wall of, of shame or of, of separation. We're not holding on to the things that turn us away, but we're asking God to forgive us, and then we're receiving the forgiveness from God that God offers as, as we're praying this. So forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, that's good. So let's take a look at the second verse here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're going to do the same thing. We're going to split it in half. Lead us not into temptation. I can see Jesus teaching us to pray this and showing us how to acknowledge our own humanity. He's teaching us to recognize what our temptations are and to ask God to help to help us avoid them. This idea of needing God to help us avoid temptation reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when Paul is reminding the Corinthians of Israel's past and all of the messes that they got into and all of the ways that they trespassed or sinned, if we're going to use our, our same language from the prayer. And in verse 13 of that chapter, Paul tells the Corinthians that God won't tempt them beyond what they can bear, that God will always provide a way out for them when they are faced with temptation. What great timing for us to consider our temptations when we're in Lent, when we may have chosen something to eliminate from our day-to-day -day lives that we could easily be tempted to reintroduce. And here we are learning how to ask for help with our temptations. I can see Jesus using this section of the prayer to show us to ask God to help us avoid tricky situations. In some cases, when we are faced with temptation and are asking for help, it can feel like the battle is already lost and that we're already scrolling through TikTok, or we're already talking bad about our coworker behind their back, or we're already falling into, we've already fallen into this temptation. Which is why Jesus teaches us to ask God to lead us away from temptation, to keep us away from it altogether. And I think of this, this section, this phrase, uh, as like preventative care. Like, just don't even lead us down that path, God. Um, let's just stay away. And we know from that section in Corinthians that 
when we get there, we'll have, we'll have the support we need from God. So now we're in this final section. Deliver us from evil. All right. Evil. Deliver us. I think here Jesus is teaching us to acknowledge that there are forces that exist that do not serve us or pull us closer to God, do not contribute to our alignment with God. When we hear the word evil, we can probably all picture some version of evil um, for us. It might be the daily headline of lives lost to gun violence as evil. It might be a medical bill that sends someone to bankruptcy that we think of as evil. We all have a picture of that. And we can all acknowledge that evil in some way exists and is out there. In some other versions of the Lord's Prayer, um, this section says, deliver us from the evil one, pointing to a being like the one in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, in the very beginning, who is responsible for the evil in the world, that this force or this being is not only behind evil, behind what is wrong in the world, but is behind what is pulling us from God. In John chapter 10, John refers to this being as the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. Oh, that is evil, and that is not what we want in our lives. So no wonder Jesus is teaching us to acknowledge the presence of evil and asking God to protect us from it, to deliver us from that evil. So we've covered, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of my favorite things to do when we do this deep dive into, into scripture and into prayer is to think about what do we do with this information and how can we apply this, what we've learned today, into our lives now. Love the application. And I have a few ideas of things that we can do to bring this with us as we um, go into our rest of our weeks. The first idea is to set an alarm on your phone to pray the Lord's Prayer. If you like numbers and connecting in that way, you could set an alarm for 609 because the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6, and it starts in verse 9. So each day when that alarm goes off, you can take a pause in your day to pray the prayer. If you're a rise and grind kind of person, you can set it for 6.09 a.m. If you're not, <laughs> you can set it for 6.09 p.m. and pray the prayer as you're wrapping up your work day or finishing your dinner or settling into your evening. You choose if, if you'd like to do that. Um, another idea is for you to do some customizing of this prayer as you pray it, some personalizing. When you get to verses 12 and 13, like we talked about today, take a moment and insert your own 
words into the prayer. Instead of just praying, forgive us our trespasses, forgive me of my trespasses, be a little more specific. Say, forgive me for, insert, trespass. Um, and stick in what you'd like to ask for forgiveness for. When it gets to the section about um, forgiving someone else, insert that as you pray it, whether you pray it out loud and you speak it, or if you write your prayers ever, uh, I encourage you to do a little personalizing as you, as you pray it this week. And then I also think the third thing is that I hope that we all get a chance to talk about this prayer with somebody else. And whether it's a small group or a discipleship band or new friends that you're making here at church, talk about how you can apply these verses or how you've seen God speak to you as you've been praying this prayer. While I love being up front and I love to preach, I also really strongly believe that there's a lot of learning that can happen beyond a Sunday morning that happens in our connections with each other um, in church. And if you want to know more about ways to do that, you can talk to Joel or Allison, and they'll hook you up with how to get connected here um, with other people who want to be connected and who want to talk about the Lord's Prayer together. I think about whose perspective you could benefit from or who have you not been hearing enough from. So let's close our time together by reading this prayer again. In this time, see what you've noticed or what stands out to you after what we've talked about today, what I've talked about today. Um, and if you're a notes person, maybe write down what, what stands out to you or write down what you want to fill in to do your own personalizing. Think about what you need forgiveness for or who you need to forgive or what are some big temptations in your life or where you've seen evil um, and how we can bring that to God. So let's, let's pray together and then we'll dive into communion. Here it comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. for us that God wants to meet with us always and everywhere in every part of our life. Praying this prayer can sometimes be just saying the words and that's okay. Sometimes it just takes repeating them over and over again through that season and the seeds get planted in our hearts. 
And then the Spirit will spark. And there'll be a part of this prayer that really grabs hold of us. And this section, these words especially today, can be one of those spaces that things start to spark. That maybe there is some place in my life I need forgiveness. Maybe there is someone that I need to forgive. Maybe those temptations feel like too much for us to bear or the evil one is in pursuit of us. And so praying this prayer is about breaking down the walls that separate us from who God has created us to be, who we know God to be in his goodness and his love and his mercy. But the things of this world, the things of evil can cloud that out. So praying this prayer is to break down those walls of shame and guilt that we might find freedom. And so today, God is ready to meet with you. I love how Val said, like it is, it is pulling back those layers of, of who we are to be honest before God. To hear, to hear the voice to hear the leading of the Spirit. And so today, as we prepare to celebrate what Jesus has done for us, we're going to take just a moment. We're just going to take just a moment of silence, and that can be incredibly awkward. It can be incredibly difficult to be silent for even a minute. But we're in this space, and we're in this safe space, that let's just be honest before God. The Psalms say, search me and know me, O God. So in this silence, let the Spirit search you. That if there is a space that you need forgiveness, you know, we can confess that. If there is someone that you need to forgive, you know, you can take, take the phone out right now and, and go call or text or meet up with that person. Whatever it is, whatever the Spirit is leading you into, I just want to create that space in this moment.